Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Hey, welcome back to What's the Hazard? Happy New Year, everybody. It is Friday, January 8th, 2021. And um, I hope you all had great holidays. I hope the new year is off to a great start. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So um, before we get started, uh, I would love to thank my sponsors, um, I, all the listeners, the guests from last year, everyone that appeared on the show, all of the sponsors, thank you all so much for your support. Um, it is it is sincerely appreciated. Uh, this year, we are off and running and sponsored by um, the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group, Jim Cover and all the folks at consultation, all of his consultants. Uh, if you are not using on-site consultation, you need to sincerely take a look at them. Um, they can be a significant help to your efforts. Uh, they do a great job. Jim is a good man, good safety professional. Um, check them out. CCS Group, Custom Concrete Specialists, uh, Cheyenne and Josh and all the folks at CCS Group continue to promote safety and help me with the podcast. So thank you, guys. Uh, then my guest today, Aaron Cerrone. We've got Aaron back in studio and Mid-America Martial Arts. Um, uh, has also been sponsoring the podcast. Thanks, buddy. You bet, man. Thanks for coming back. Um, I hope you had a good New Year. I did. We've I had did. A, we've had a chance I, to I speak worked. a little. I bit. worked. You know, it's usually uh, you know, as we said before, I'm still in reserve, so I usually do my two week hitch uh, over the holidays in between oh, my semesters. How was that? Uh, so know, they arranged that for you because they know you're a, a no. I, I request it. The, I request oh, gotcha. it. You know, okay. I could either. For me, I could either do it over the holidays or in the summer, and, okay. I, and I try not to screw with my summer too much. Yeah. So, um, okay, because you know, I never know what my summer is going to look like. So I usually just go in there during the holidays. Right, might be in Thailand much. or something, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do if you I go to Thailand in the summer? No, <clears throat> is it too hot? No. Oh my god, it's hot! Uh, it's hot in the winter there. Is it? We were uh, last time I was there was in January, and it was hot. And it was still like eighty degrees, eighty five degrees. Really. And they're all like, oh, it's cold. You know? <laughs> right, of course. They're just like California, man. Right. They're all in parkas when it drops below 70. <laughs> Same thing. Very cool, man. Um, yeah, did you, uh, you had a good New Year's. I know we've seen each other since uh, Yeah, it was know, good. Since it was good. You know, obviously, as you get older, the holidays, you know, have. They lose a little bit of their Less magical, <laughs> exactly, for lack of a right. better term, you know. Santa, that's a great description Santa forgot it. about me this year, but. That's of course. Right. <laughs> Less magical. That's exactly right. That's a perfect description. Um, what else we got? I, I don't want to start off with any observations. There's a lot going on and I think, yeah. my God, it's almost too much to even comprehend. I, I told my wife about two nights ago, you know, right after, you know, the Capitol issues and the protests and sure. the riots and the, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I'm an ambient guy. I think you, you know that very well. We've had this conversation, you know, when I turned 50, which was 12 years ago, I just stopped sleeping. Just I, almost I stopped overnight. sleeping right when I had kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for at least for a period of time. But you know, I I don't fall asleep anymore. I, there's just so much going on in my head, and so I had I had taken my Ambien, and um, but I I could tell I was stressed. You know, there was a lot you know a lot going on, and just that sure. underlying I would I would anxiety. You know, and, man, I woke up. I just I fell asleep, and typically the Ambien is good for about five hours, and I was up in two hours and right. could not get back to sleep. It was that's horrible. probably more typical than ever. I think people are more stressed than ever just because information overload and oh my god, we're yeah. we're seeing and hearing things that we never would have before otherwise. Like, I mean, I grew up in small town Pennsylvania, so you were pretty isolated. Like, what are, your only news was literally what was in the paper, mm -hmm. maybe what you heard on the radio or the TV, and that's when the news was actually the news that reported object, somewhat objectively right. back in the 70s and 80s. Right. You know, now it's, like, hard to 
even know what to believe, True. What, what what is actual ground truth. So I think that, you know, that naturally stresses people out more. And I'm the same way. I'll sit there at night and just my head will be going and I'm just mm-hmm. bouncing from thought to thought to thought. And all of a sudden you glance over and like, oh crap, it's two o'clock. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I mean, the good And then you finally fall asleep and the alarm goes off an hour later. You're <laughs> right. like, God bless. Yeah. That wasn't as restful as I'd hoped. <laughs> yeah, Not as right. magical as I remember sleep being, but yeah, I would give anything to sleep well again. I mean, yeah. you know, people, you know, if people asked me, you know, what would you really want? I mean, good sleep, man. It's probably one of, it's one of our biggest health issues, and, and it's it's not given enough emphasis or, or light on the issue is that, you know, ever really, ever since the invention of the light bulb, people started sleeping less because now we're staying up later. Mm-hmm. Like before it was, it got dark. Nothing Dictated else to do. by the sun. Yeah, and, and you, went, you went to sleep. Um, so, you know, the invention of the light bulb and everything else, and like they, they, there are studies that show that people sleep less and less and less over the last, you know, decades and uh and then now you got now you're sitting on your phone even longer you know and the lights mm-hmm. hitting your eyes and then you're on your phone until midnight laying in bed mm-hmm. screwing around playing games know, or man. taking in social media so i you know it's just one of those things where you just gotta you know you have to compartmentalize a little bit and, and just put that stuff away and, and force yourself to have a routine at night to get off the electronics or shut off the lights to you know, drink the sleepy time tea. <laughs> right, and, uh, and, and make I it have happen. some in my cu- in my cabinet. You know, the the funny part was is here I am dogging technology, and I was literally just in my car thinking, "Man, technology is amazing." Because I was uh, I've been f- been binging. Uh, I love YouTube, right? Only mm-hmm. because it's like uh, I, I was literally just the last few days I've been watching journeys. Escape Tour, Houston Concert, 1981, right? <laughs> at, at the peak of probably their powers right. as a band. And, and it's such an amazing concert. It's nothing I would have gotten to see because in 1981, I was seven years old, six years old, seven mm-hmm. years old, right? So there's no way I would have gotten to see that concert in person. And, and really up until that point, as far as music, you really weren't able to see anybody unless you saw them in concert, right? right. And around 80, 81 is when MTV came out and you were finally starting to get to see oh, what yeah. these bands look like and their videos and... And uh, and I was just I've been watching this concert. I'm like, man, these guys were so good. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for YouTube, I'd, I'd never get to see that mm-hmm. concert, like the That's 1981 right. Houston concert, right? right? And someone recorded it, and now I can still see it. Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, man, this is awesome. It, it is awesome. And that's interesting. You say that. I I um I have a problem with that too. I I am not a real social media guy. I mean, that's a little bit uh, unfamiliar to me. I've never really delved into it i do a little bit of linkedin you know i thought right. that, that seemed like it was appropriate i, I have some challenges with linkedin <laughs> certainly you know and we can talk about that another time well, let's be honest that would be any platform <laughs> any platform absolutely yeah and, and uh beyond just the technical challenges that i have with them just some of the information and postings just i, I just don't get it i mean I, I don't understand the point necessarily but but having said that your comment about you know, laying down in the evening and then maybe just flipping through some of that stuff. I right. found myself doing that. You know, I lay down in bed with my phone and uh, now all of a sudden I'm doing a crossword or I'm playing a little Scrabble or I'm doing that word, whatever that wordscapes game is or something. And Sugar crush, sugar rush or whatever the hell that is. <laughs> exactly. And I'm realizing... We got to defer to Sasha. She's probably more up on this stuff than we are. (laughs) But there's a reason I'm not sleeping, and it's uh, this isn't helping matters. Combination of things, yeah. You know, this isn't helping. So, I'm not typically a resolution guy, and that was my question: Are you a resolution guy? Are you? uh, You know, I I used to be. 
uh, you know, that was the thing to make a New Year's resolution. And then, you know, as you get older and you understand goal setting, you understand uh, the things you need to have in place, you realize that it's really kind of a, a defeating uh, exercise. I mean, what's the average? Re- people get off their resolution, what, two and a half weeks at last, I think is the mm-hmm. average at best. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you see it all the time. Like, you, like right now is the worst time of the year to be at a gym. Oh, yeah. And it's a freaking bananas. Oh, it's yeah. a madhouse. But you give it a month and it'll be back to normal. Right. And, and I think that's just uh, a testament to that most people just simply aren't disciplined enough to follow through on any kind of resolution. Um, I read a real good book a while back called Mini Habits. Uh, a great book. Everybody should read it. And it was less about resolutions and more about setting mini goals that are very achievable. And you can see results quicker and it starts to have a snowball effect and compounding effect. And, you know, once you once you accomplish something, now you got some momentum, you get on to the next one, you get on to the next one. But it's not about making this big, massive, mountainous goal that you're likely not going to get to anyway. It's make, make these mini goals, and then you're developing mini habits along the way, and now that's going to lead to more productivity mm-hmm. more success along the so way. So how, how would you um, apply that in, like, the health and fitness world? Well, is here's it, is what I'll say. It's like, I, you know, I'll have clients come to me, like, and I'm not, I'm not dogging on women by any stretch, but women are notorious, like, I want to look like her and point to this magazine. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> Well, why? I go, you don't want to do what she does to look like that. And I start to explain. You open up this person's refrigerator. There's no food in there. It's full of Tupperware. Everything is weighed out to the ounce. Every meal is made for the entire week. They eat the same crap over chicken, rice, and broccoli every goddamn day. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And they work out. There is no cheat day. There is no cheat meal. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, right. and and that's what it is. They're working out twice a day, and they're very regiment. And they just look at me and go, oh, that sounds terrible. I go, because mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, that we, <laughs> right? yeah absolutely. It is terrible. People don't understand that when they, when they see people on the stage, these fitness models and these bodybuilders, like, they're barely standing when they're up there. They're not the peak of health. And, right. w- and what you're seeing, the people on a magazine, that's a moment in time. They don't look like that all the time. Right. And, and that's hard to get people to understand. But more so is like, the discipline and dedication and the persistence that it takes to get to that, most people simply can't do. So what I tell them is, look, let's let's not make this a goal. Let's talk about where we're at right now, and let's do one thing we can get to, right? And usually what I do is, okay, here's what I want you to do. For starters, just start drinking water, right? That would be a mini goal. Yeah, mini let's, goal. Just, let's get to the point where we're drinking water every day. And when you can do that, when you say, hey, I've done that for a week, okay, I'll give you another thing to do, right? And it's just kind of getting this, getting us pointed in the right direction mm-hmm. and then getting down that right path. And like, okay, now let's just stop eating fast food, right? And another little thing, like, and oh, you, you didn't make it this week? Fine, we're going to do the same thing for another week until we can <clears throat> get over that little hurdle. And it's just those little things. And now they start getting in the mindset of, of, being a little bit more regimented, a little more disciplined. And after a while, like a, a goal of a coach is to be able to be like, all right, man, you're on your own. You got it. Like right. you, you've, you've got it figured out. Now you can start doing things on your own and you go. So that's usually where I'll start you know, in that respect. Like, let's just, let's just do one thing. Mm-hmm. And then you put a timetable on it. Like the, uh, uh I, something ideally that, that helps, that can, helps with people. Like, that's why boot camps and eight week camps work. Cause people can commit to four weeks on a boot camp or and pay a shitload of money. Right. And they see a little bit of results like, oh, right. this boot camp was awesome. And then it's like, well, yeah, because you were able to com- finally commit for four weeks and, right. and do something. Um, 
so, you know, it's just like, hey, what are you capable of doing? And, and some people, it's just simple as, hey, let's just start by showing up three times a week. Just walk That's in the door. That's your goal. Just <laughs> walk in the door. Pull Get in the parking yourself line. to walk in the door three times a yeah. week. And that's the first goal, right? And that's the first little step until you can get them, you know, because you got to change your paradigm. You got to change a mindset a lot of times. And it's hard for people to do because I try to explain to people, you know, like let's, as an example, let's say a 35 year old who's 100 pounds overweight comes into me and they'll be like, hey, I want to, I got this goal. I want to get to this by this date. I'm like, all right, dude, it took you 30 years to get like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. want to get rid of it overnight. Let's just right. let's just do some math here. It's, right. It Absolutely. doesn't work like that. Like that was 30 years of hard work, right, to get like that. Now you want to get rid of it overnight. So it's going to take some time. So let's have some perspective on what needs to happen. And, and the problem is, is like you get on the social media and you see what looks like overnight successes, but you don't know the backstory to it. You don't know what else was going on. And people are like, oh, they – they did it overnight. They made $10 million after being in business for a month. And yet, and they're like, mm-hmm. well, one, you don't know. And half the people are, are faking and lying on the social media. And you don't know what else went behind it. And you don't know how Photoshopped that person was to right. begin with. So you don't even know what's real. And the problem is, is we, we take things that aren't necessarily real as truth. And now, well, I can do that. Well, no. One, yeah. it's a false truth. And two, yeah. no, you can't. Right. You just don't have the fortitude and the makeup to do it. But that's right. okay, right? Yeah. That's fine. Let's yeah. under, let's understand who we are and then go from there and then you can make right. it happen. Well, so that, I mean, that translates really well, I think, into goal setting for, from a business standpoint or from a, like, you know, working safely standpoint. When, when I think at the beginning of the year, it's important that everybody take a moment to consider what it is they want to accomplish over the course of that coming year and then... sure. Like what you've described that, you know, it, it took us 30 years to develop this shitty culture. <laughs> right. and we, you know, we are not going to change it by the end of the month. It's not like all these errors happened overnight. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I think, you know, as far as the safety standpoint, like like you said, it's you have your annual safety training meeting. And it's like, okay, here's all the new standards. Here's what we have to do. And we have to do all this and do all that and these changes. And people are going, oh, my gosh. Rather than going, all right, guys. In the past, we've had a problem in these three areas. Let's try to fix one thing in each of these areas to at least start moving in the right mm-hmm. direction. Let's I just, love that. Hey, by the end of the month, let's at least make sure everybody's wearing their, their hard hats. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Right. Right. Okay, now the goal for February is let's make sure. I mean, obviously, you want to fix everything overnight, but it's just not feasible. All right? It's just not logical to be able I, to I do agree. that. Okay, let's make sure we are having our weekly stand-ups. By the end of February, that's become habit. Well, let's make sure now we're doing, we're tethering. Up. You know, I'm just making up stuff right now. But no, no, absolutely. My point is, is like, well, let's, pick, let's pick one thing to get done this month. Mm-hmm. And then once we can do that, now we'll do the next thing next month. Rather than going, all right, guys, here's the new manual. <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, what the yeah. hell? Half well, of them I, can't even read the damn thing. And then they just toss it aside and like, oh, it doesn't matter. They're not going to check anyway. Right. I, I do think those incremental goals like that are really important. They're, they are uh, realistic, and I think the employees can kind of get their head around it. Sure, you know, it's palatable, are, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, palatable. Okay. I think the I the, can't uh, do all this, but I can do this one thing. Right, and and I think everyone when they've made the decision, we we need to fix this, whether it be because they've had some horrible catastrophe or because sure. they've had some horrible OSHA experience or. Or the insurance premiums now are just skyrocketed, and they, they're struggling with that. And they want to change everything immediately. And 
and, uh, well, and, that, and that's a, yeah. it's destined to fail, just like you described, you know, I want to look like this. What's worse yet is when, when a manager or leader does that and then gives no formula, recipe, or guidance on how to do it. Like, we need sales up 25% by the end of the quarter. If it doesn't happen, we're gonna, people are going to start losing jobs. Go. Okay. <laughs> what the hell, All right? right. Ha. Okay, how are we going to do that? Like, a, a little bit of, you yeah. know, how are we going to do this? So, you know, a better approach would be, look, guys, sales have been down. We really need to get it up 25%. I know that's a big task. So let's start doing this. Like, let's at least make sure we're making five extra phone calls a day by the end of the month, right? And then let's start tracking how those five extra phone calls are leading to more sales, all right? And let's start, you know, let's, let's have like a mini goal to start. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's make it a habit that everybody's the first hour of every day we're on the phone making calls, all right? Let's make that a habit. With the larger goal of eventually we want to get to this increasing sales of 25% or whatever it happens to be. Rather than just saying, here's this big, mm-hmm. make this happen this or else we're all in nebulous. trouble. And then this nebulous, like, what does that yeah. even mean? Yeah. You know, and then and that's, that's part of the problem is I think a lot of times goals are thrown out there and it's not, there's not even a clear understanding of what that goal even means. You know, like for me, as an example, people come to me and say, I want to get healthier. Okay, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And that could mean a million different things. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're diabetic? Okay. Mm-hmm. What right. you're really saying is, hey, I'd like to get off insulin mm-hmm. and be free from this drug, which will ultimately help me lose some weight, yada, yada, yada. Okay, right. so now, now there's context for me of what healthy right. means. Yeah. Right? Or, or a lot of people are like, hey, I want, I want to get healthier. Well, do a little conversation. Oh, okay, you get winded just walking up a flight of stairs, and you don't you try to play with your grandkids, and you can only go for five minutes before you're have, huffing and puffing. Okay, now I have some context. What you really mean by get healthier. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly synonymous with, you know, the safety world. The, the boss comes in. Let's be safe. We need to be safer. <laughs> you know, we are going to be safer in 2021, and everybody sits around thinking, I'm – I'm, I'm safe. Not, I'm not intentionally cutting my fingers off. I mean, it's I not like I do that problem. on purpose. Yeah. You know, t- yeah, I, I agree that you, it's out of context. It's vague. It's And usually there's something that prompted it. Like like you told me a story that uh, a company had a guy get killed because a truck backed over him or something, mm-hmm. a loader mm-hmm. backed over him. Yep. Right? And it was a comedy of errors that led to that. Well, something like that happens. Now the boss gets everybody together. All right, we need to be safer. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. What does that mean, and what prompted that? Well, Johnny just got killed because he got run over by a truck. Okay, fair. That was a tragedy. But that doesn't even necessarily mean we're not being safe. That could have been just it, it doesn't. a That's comedy true. of screw-ups that was unique to that situation right. that, you know, one in a million chance of it happening, right? And, and, and But that doesn't suddenly mean we need to be safe. I mean, we should always be safer. But So the context is, is a broad brush of an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. And now you're telling everybody to be safer, and they're going, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know Johnny got killed. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Or, or what led up to it or, or what, what, led, what you, know. you know, what precipitated that kind sure. of thing. I mean, that, so are you, a, are you a believer in goal setting? I am. Huge. I, mean, I, I, got, I got goal boards set up in my gym, and, and it's more, for me, it's more about accountability. Like, if you, if you say, I'm going to lose 10 pounds, but you don't write it down or don't tell anybody, it's not real. You go around your office, you're telling everybody, I'm going to lose 10 pounds this month. And then now you're telling everybody, now they're aware of it, and now somebody sees you with a donut in your hand. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, Doug, I thought you were going to lose 10 pounds this <laughs> right, month. No, it's a nice looking, nice looking Krispy Kreme you got in your hand. And you're like, oh, damn it, you're right. And you throw yeah. it down, right? Yeah. So for me, it's when you when you make it known what a goal is, when you make it, it, it doesn't have to be publicly, but to your inner circle or people that are going to hold you accountable. Or in the gym, you write it up on the board so everybody sees what you're going to do. And then if you do have coaches or mentors around you, they can go, hey, man, I mm-hmm. thought you were going to try to do this this month. Right. You wrote it up on the board. What happened? Or just a check-in. Like, right. how's it going? And then you can take it a step further. Like, a, a goal in itself is hollow, right? What are you going to do to make that happen? Like, the next step is, hey, my goal is to lose 10 pounds. Our goal is to be safer. Okay, well, what does safer mean? Mm-hmm. Let's let's define that very specifically. It's one thing I do in my operations class. It's like, everything is process-oriented, but the process is complete crap if you don't understand the end goal for that process. And the more nebulous that end goal is the more nebulous the process is going to be Absolutely. to get you there, and it becomes garbage, right? And then you, then you have variation, and where there's variation, there's opportunity for error, where there's error, and then there's mistakes and defects and all that jazz. So it's not like just the goal will be safer. Well, what does that mean specifically? Now, what are the specific tasks we need to do to make that happen? Mm-hmm. Are you- now we're getting somewhere with this goal setting, right? Yeah. The goal yeah. in itself is hollow. Right. Right? Be yes. safer. Okay, big deal. What does that mean? No, no shit. We always, we always mm-hmm. want to be safer. That's obvious. Like, do we even need to state that? Right. Right. Isn't that the make right. money? We're in business. We need to make money, guys. Oh, okay. No crap. Right. Right. How do we do I that? Agree. Right. So now let let's let's define what does make money mean? What does be safer mean? What are the specific tasks that need to happen to achieve that? It's like when I teach my entrepreneur class, I try to tell them, guys, it's less about what do you have to do. It's more about who do you have to become to make that happen. Right, like what? What are the things? Like, do you need to be more motivated? Do you be more disciplined? Do you need to be more accountable? Okay, do you need to be more aggressive when you have conversations? Do you need to learn to speak up more? Like the things, like who do you have to become mm-hmm. to achieve the success that you want to do? Because if that doesn't happen, then nothing else is gonna fall into place. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's that Agreed. that dirty little secret. Like, I got these great ideas. I want to be successful. It's like, well, man, in reality, is you don't have the stomach or the fortitude to do it. You're just not, you don't have the personality, you don't, have the, you don't want to get up early, you don't want to work hard, uh, you don't have the discipline to make it happen. Right, right. It sounds like a conversation that every leader should have with themselves. How am I going to be a better leader this year or? Well, even more you know, so, talk. the conversation is that hard look in the mirror that I like to tell people to do, especially in the entrepreneurial world, but even more so in the leadership world, it's that hard look in the mirror and going, who am I really? What type of person am I? A lot of people will try to fake the type of leader they are because they think this is the type of leader I'm supposed to be, but they're not built to be that kind of leader. So it's understanding who you are. Like, what, what are my, like, I think personality tests and those trait tests and the disc tests are invaluable. Not so much to understand, hey, where should I be, but understand who am I so I can properly place myself. That's an interesting point. And, and then understand, hey, who am I? And then, okay, what type of leader does that naturally make me? And not force myself. Mm-hmm. Like some people are, we say, are natural leaders. I, I think it's less about natural leaders and that they understand the type of person they are, right, and, and know what path they should be on, and that's where they're most productive and most effective. They, they mm-hmm. figure that out quicker than everybody else, mm-hmm. right? We've all been around people that are just like, 
we use the term, oh, they're so fake, they're so phony. The guy that comes in and so tries to take control of the room and this, that, and the other thing, I'm like, dude, you're so full of crap. I can tell you're bluffing. Like, you don't believe a word coming out of your mouth. Right. I can tell you're nervous. You're really not this kind of a person. You go home and you're a sissy. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, you know, they're force-feeding the square peg round hole, right, because they just don't, they're trying to fit this persona that's really not them. Right? So I think as, as a leader, to determine what kind of leader or what, what's the best leadership style one, it's situation dependent, right? I'm, I'm a firm believer that uh, good leaders can, can can mold and be flexible and change their leadership style based on who's in front of them because not everybody can be led the same way. So let, let's get that aside, right? There's no one leadership style that's best for everywhere and for every person. But there's also a leadership style that I think best fits your makeup and your personality. And and you don't you can't figure that out until you do that long, hard look in the mirror and go, okay, what am I honestly good at? What do I really suck at? Which a lot of people tend to overestimate how good they are and underestimate how bad they are <laughs> in places, right? <laughs> right, just absolutely. absolutely. And, and it's being honest with that. And, and I think the people that are more honest with that are the ones that can find their niche quicker and hit the ground running, right? And they're more effective faster that way. And they can figure out what leadership style it, it best suits them. Now, that doesn't mean that it best suits everybody else, necessarily let's understand that so there's going to as you get better as a leader and grow as a leader you should start to be able to learn to be flexible and like i say put those different hats on know when to coach know when to mentor know when when to be the dictator know when to be the communicator know when to be the counselor know when to be democratic mm-hmm. right but is that always going to be then within the framework of who you are that that self awareness or can you move into some of those other you know, I, I think that that self awareness is paramount because you, you now you know where your wheelhouse is, you know where your comfort zone is, you know where you need to get better. Like there's some leaders out there that think they're infallible, and they're terrible mentors, mm-hmm. or they're terrible communicators. But they're so egotistical and so caught up in themselves, they're not willing to sit back and go, "I don't really communicate well," mm-hmm. or "Man, I'm not I'm not mentoring my I'm not coaching my people very well." I'm, I'm good at setting goals. I'm good at driving the organization. I'm good at leading by example, but I'm terrible at mentoring and coaching people. Mm-hmm. So can they still be successful leaders? I mean, once sure, you've identified they, what those strengths and weaknesses they are. They can, but, I mean, what's the goal, right? Is, is the goal to continue to get better or just to be, all right, I'm, I'm where I am and that's it? Yeah. That's like, I, think, I think the goal, ultimate goal is to be, continue to get better as a leader and a manager, and, and part of doing that is – getting better in all these individual areas and acknowledging where your deficiencies are and acknowledging where you need to practice, where you need to get better at. And then the whole package is getting better, right? You're a more well-rounded reader, reader, leader, mm-hmm. and you're able to resonate with more people in your organization. So if you are a leader, and, and I'm assuming that uh, many of the folks that listen to this podcast are leaders in their organizations, um, is there, a, is there an assessment tool that you can use oh, there's to, tons out there. to look at yourself and say, I'm good at this, I'm not good at that? Absolutely. There's, like I said, all those personality tests, uh, was I think it's a, the 17 personality test, the DISC test, the DISC tests are very good. I think you got to pay for those, but uh, they're very good at figuring out your personalities. And uh, I, th- I think you should take as many as you can, right? And they're going to change over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and I aren't the same people we were when we were 20 years old. Right. We're not, I'm not the same person I was when I was 30 years old, right? The, they're going to change, right? And they should, right? If you think about it, you get older, you get wiser, you get smarter, you get more well-versed in areas. Th- those things should change. 
Uh, you should constantly be evaluating yourself. And, and we have to remember, too, it's like you might be, you have to look for different ways to evaluate and validate. The organization may be doing very well, right? Safety numbers are up or down, depending on how you want to look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, improve. Uh, incidents are down, number, yeah. right? Uh, sales are up, everything's running well, but you might be losing people within the organization. Mm-hmm. But you're focused on all the metrics saying, hey, everything's going well, we must be doing good, everybody's productive. But you got 10 people are getting ready to quit. Right. Yeah, those can kind of be false indicators at times if you're not reading the data right or if the, the data doesn't even cover some of those issues. Sure. I mean, they're not necessarily false, but they're not giving you the full picture, right? They're not telling the full story yeah. necessarily all the time. And so, you know, the numbers are up. Everything's up. The board of directors is happy. The stockholders mm-hmm. are happy because your leadership style is driving numbers and driving success in that manner. But your leadership style is also souring all your employees mm-hmm. to the point where you walk in a room, they're like, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> I, I, I have <laughs> you some know? direct experience with that, and, and it's really interesting. We, we have had conversations about different types of leaders before, but I, I existed in – I had a, a, a job at one time where the leader um, was evaluated by those numbers – Mm-hmm. Those production numbers, the the people that were evaluating him were looking solely at those numbers. And so from management perspective, all he really cared about was attaining those numbers. And what it was doing to the workforce, you know, that uh, that particular leadership management style uh, was really, as you said, really souring the workforce. Everybody was unhappy. Everybody was pessimistic. Sure. Everybody was negative. Many people left. There was a bit of a time where there was just a revolving uh-huh. door of people. But if you whip on people hard enough, sure. you're going to get those numbers, <laughs> close, right? Like, well, Steve Jobs is a classic example. He was widely known as a tyrant. Could you argue with his results? Yeah. I mean, he took Apple twice, took Apple from nothing to king of the hill. Mm-hmm. But he's widely known as a tyrant and, and incredibly hard to work for. Yeah. And, and the problem is, is like you'll you'll have a generation of people coming up, especially people running startups, and say, "I'm going to be like Jobs," and then turn around being an ass to all their people. That's what Jobs did, and look at them; they're worth bazillions. Well, that doesn't mean it was right. Yeah, they, and and nor would it necessarily be effective for for you for another right. Leader, That's a, right. that was a whole different animal over right, there, right. a whole different situation. Well, I mean, he was certainly being true to who he was as a person. Apparently, I mean, he's. It kind of self-identified. True. This but, is who but I am. But could he? It ha, could someone? Had he had the right mentors in his life? Could someone have pulled him aside and say, "Hey, man, you don't have to walk in there like that mm-hmm. and treat people like that to get things done." Mm-hmm. It worked, but you're gonna start losing people, or people are gonna hate you, or they're gonna quietly hope you get hit by a truck. You know, right? right. <laughs> and it's, and, you know, yeah. is that is that? Yeah. But at the same time, it's are you gonna get rid of somebody? Like it's like that coach, uh, Bill Belichick is another example. Um, widely known as a very difficult coach to play for. Eight Super Bowls, yeah. Nine Super Bowl, whatever the hell they went to. It's right? Like, are you? So the owners are, love him. <laughs> you know Mr. what I mean? Mr. Kraft loves him. Like, right? are, are you going to get rid of the guy? Like, that's right. it, I get it. it it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's how, how do you look at results? Now you also have players that say he was the best coach to play for, and I understand the methodology, and he gets results, and 
I, you know, I didn't like playing for him, but I got four rings on my hand. <laughs> got four kinda, bonus checks. Yeah, you know, so it, it's kind of there's that dichotomy there, right? It's you know what what is the right path? So I, I think it's I, I, the end game, right? Is yeah, you want results, but at the same time, results are more than just sales and safety numbers and mm. and stock options and things like that and productivity. The results is okay, you know. What's the climate like of the company? What's what's your approval rating? And I'm not saying it needs to be a happy-go-lucky, everybody-loves-me right. environment. Right, right. You not going to be that time. likely. Yeah. So, you know, wh- what's my success rate uh, in terms of one-on-ones and how often am I communicating with people and, and how often am I, are employees bringing suggestions to the suggestion box? Is it always empty or is it always full? You know, and, you know, things like that uh, are other ways to – to learn how good of a leader I am. Gauge that. Sure. Is there is there any incentive for a leader like that, the kind of the tyrannical, um, you know, um, egotistical, maybe er- the, the leader that's getting the numbers that they're, you know, that the higher-ups are looking for? Here's what I to say. To change? Is there I, incentive to improve? I firmly believe there's a time and a place for everything. Right? So if, there, if you're in chaos and in dire straits, uh, and there's panic, and the company's about to go under. Sometimes it takes the dictator to come in and get things straight in a hurry. And, and, and there's a time and a place where it's do as I say right now, or you're gone, or I'll find somebody to do it because we're at that point where we're about to go under, and I don't have time to explain, I don't have time to argue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? We're about to go off the cliff. So, so I get that. I, I think that's warranted. Right? But I think that that's the exception rather than the norm okay at the same time you know there's a time and a place where people need to be heard and their emotions need to be understood i need to be empathetic but but that's not all the time either mm-hmm. right right because then nothing gets tends to get done right well, so you got opposite ends of the spectrum yeah. right so uh, that's why i say it it's important for a leader to be able to get to the point where you can wear different hats and understand what hat to put on at that particular situation right. and understand it's time to be a dictator. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. There's a hostile takeover. Something's going to happen. The market went to crap. Like there's something massive happened that we're, no one's about to have a job here in a minute if yeah. we're not careful. Right. I get that. Right. There, there's a time and a place for it. It's just like raising right. kids. Right. Oh yeah. Very much. Sometimes it's just like shut your mouth and do what I'm telling you. Right. You don't have, I don't have time to explain. You're not going to understand anyway. Because I said so. Right. Because I said so. I think there's time and a place for that, but not all, not all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to sit the kid down and explain to them and let them have their opinion. Well, what do you think? And I think that's good parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you do? What would you rather do? Well, let me explain to you if you did that, what would happen? Mm-hmm. Okay. But rarely is the, and I'm, I'm thinking about that because I have worked for the tyrant. I, I, the names shall not be mentioned <laughs> to protect my, me, frankly. And, uh, but I've also worked for that person, the individual who just wanted everybody to be happy, wanted everybody to like him. I, I, I will. They're con- both bad. I will concede to the tyrant. At least sometimes they get stuff done. The person that just wants to be liked and just you know everybody's my friend and I, they they are rarely effective in getting stuff done. Unless you have a bunch of really highly motivated employees, perhaps I don't. Well, know. Well, and I think you said it. You hit it right on the head. If you got a bunch of self motivated high drivers or high accountables. That they're going to work hard anyway. Mm-hmm. I think you you can lead more like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure, right. It's they're going to they're going to get work done. All they need is a little bit of guidance, 
You just give them the things they need, keep them happy, and and they're going to get it done. Mm-hmm. But how many people are honestly like that? It seems like few. Yeah. It seems far like fewer. Few. Like the yeah. 80-20 rule says, only 20% of your employees are going to be like that. Right. Get 80, right? Get 80% of the work done. Yeah, or right. 20, that's, how, that's how it is, right? Mm-hmm. So, so obviously you can't just do that for everybody because, you know, the social loafers will loaf even more. Right. You know, if you just keep giving them what they want, keep giving them candy and then not hold right. them accountable to anything. Yeah, that's interesting. Right. So I was listening. I don't know what I was on. Maybe I was on LinkedIn. I got somebody sent a video, but it was one of the Jocko videos. Mm-hmm. And he was just doing a short clip on leadership, of course. You know, he talks a lot about leadership. And his, and his comment was, you should aspire to control nothing. You know, rather than controlling everything, you know, directing everything, you should control nothing. And I think that's kind of what you just described. If you have so it, high it, achievers and you've given them what they need right. to be that, then you really don't want to have to control that. It's that idea of centralized command, decentralized execution, right? You empower people to make decisions. They don't have to do the mother may I. Uh, you show that you trust them and give them the tools they need to succeed. You train them to be able to succeed and they can work autonomously. Mm-hmm. And when they come to you, they should only be coming to you for something that they need or a problem they have that they need help fixing. And, and that's his point, yeah. right? And I think that's the that's obviously the ideal, and that, that's kind of how the military is built. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll tell you at the same time that's the military likes to say one thing and do another in a lot of cases, and yeah. and they they say we're building leaders to work autonomously, but at the same time there's a lot of mother may eyes <laughs> before yeah. you can do anything. Um, yeah. So, but his point is valid, right? It's as a leader, I don't want to have to be able to check up on everybody all the time. I've got other things to worry about. Right, I, I've got a five and ten year plan. I need to be working on. I got strategic relationships. I need to be building. I got, you know, meetings with whoever that so I can start carving the path for this company down the road. I don't need to be down in the weeds on everyday stuff. I shouldn't be. That's not my job. I need to be able to empower people and trust that they can work on their own and make decisions on their own that are in the best interests of the company and everybody involved. And and so I know a number of leaders who are very involved we'll call it involved to the point of controlling they want to be involved in every decision and they typically control the decision you know they'll give their opinion mm-hmm. tell you what they think and then ask you what you think and well that's already been decided so sure. unless you're a total idiot you are you oh yeah that sounds are good. you asking or are you telling <laughs> right exactly so i mean i think that would be something that a leader of that type are are they typically aware that that their type of leader? probably not because that would probably be a not. good thing to work on so maybe. i think what happens is um when the company starts small, you know, guy starts his construction company, guy starts his uh, outdoor mm-hmm. landscaping company, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and it's just that person and maybe two other people. And they are making all decisions. They are make, not only making decisions, but they're doing the work as well, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, the, they're the entrepreneur, they're the manager, they're a the technician, they're, they're, wearing, they're doing everything. And then as the company grows and they get more people, they never pull themselves out of that role. Right, because because yeah. they always had their hands in everything, and it's very hard to pull themselves out of that role. But the problem is the company's growing. We're adding more people now. We have a hundred employees, and and I, I know in my mind I need to hire managers, but you're not letting them manage mm-hmm. because you're so used to doing it, having your right. hands in everything. So it's hard yeah. when, as the company grows for the, for the owner especially to pull themselves out of the very leads hard. and then yeah. and then start to act like an owner and and, and leader and guider rather than the technician and, and getting their hands and everything and have to be in on top of every decision. It's hard to trust. 
and, and I get it. It's human nature. It's your baby. You built it, right? And, and yeah. you live it and die by it, and you're the one to put all the money in the risk. You're the one that suffered living off ramen and water in the early years, <laughs> right. right? And wondering how am I going to pay yeah. my rent. So I, yeah. I, I understand that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's hard. What, what always baffles me is the people that come into their leadership roles in a mature company that can't get away from that. I see, yeah, right. You have no skin in the game. You, you weren't there from the inception. You weren't, you didn't suffer, mm-hmm. right? So I, I, I empathize, right? Having my own business, I empathize, right? Working two extra jobs, trying to get this business going, not sleeping because you're working the part-time job because right. you got to, oh, by the way, I got to pay my own rent, mm-hmm. let alone rent on the business. And so I get it. It's not, it's not a controlling thing. It's just that you're afraid to let go. Yeah. Right, oh, that's a good point. You're just afraid to let go. It's you know I, I like using raising kids as an example, right? Both your boys are out of the house; they're in college now. But I'm sure there was a time, you know, they're what 21, 22 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But really, up until 18, you were still wiping their butt for them. Essentially, you know, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and it's hard to get away from that to some degree. It's still, a, it's hard to kick them out the door, and it's it hard is. not to go. Well, let me do it for you, or let me show you how to do it. And it's hard to say. Look, they need to screw it up on their own. They need to learn the hard way. They need it's time to grow up. They need to. I can't keep bailing them out. It's and a, what I mean by bail out, like oh no, I, paying for their stuff, right? Yeah, it's the same way as an employee. At some point, you got to go. Okay, I gotta relinquish control. I gotta understand they're probably going to screw this up, but I have to be willing to let that happen for the company to grow, for them to grow, for my trust to grow. Mm-hmm. Right, right. At the same time. That's a great point, yeah. And um, I think that maybe this is generational, but it seems like there is less of that willingness to allow people to fail, uh, to learn from those. Well, the fact uh, that we're letting our kids still live in the basement at 30 years old right, is probably a problem. That's kind of what I was alluding to. I didn't <laughs> want to come out and say that. Uh, but uh, I do have a, a basement, and there is a room in the basement just waiting for, you know. One of them's moving back. The return, back. One, one of, of them, them. <laughs> yeah, 50, I, I got it. There's one of them going to be moving back. But it's true, and I think in the business world, that's true, too. We are, I, I think it's just as a, as a community of people, we have just become a little bit less likely or less willing to allow people to make those mistakes, um, and that's such an important part of it for them. As you said, that really affects your ability to trust them. Mm-hmm. And then to allow them to continue to make decisions. and Well, I think we swung hard in the business world, right? You had back in the day, uh, you got to remember too, like our, our country initially was very industrial and very blue collar. Mm-hmm. We become very corporate and white collar mm-hmm. for the most part. Right. So, you know, our parents, our grandparents, it was put your nose down, work hard. It worked in a factory. Uh, your, almost re- your reward is your paycheck. And, and leadership mimic that right uh in the meetings only only a few people were in the meetings the decision makers were in the meetings and no one else's opinion mattered because i'm paying you to be here shut up and work mm-hmm. and then we swung so hard because we understand that wasn't right and i think we swung so hard to where everybody needs to be in the meeting everybody's opinion needs to be heard right. and and everybody should have a say and everybody's involved which isn't good either right right, right. and then halfway in between and i think one thing that covid if anything has done for us is when we shoved people home and everybody's starting to telework and now we see that what the distance people not being in the same room um, i think it's going to make everything kind of swing back a little bit to say look uh, we realize when people are saying they're more productive from home what they're really saying is 
hey, our work culture was very distraction-filled. We got rid of all the cubicles. We had everybody involved in every meeting. Everybody was involved in every piece of communication, and we were really just pre- getting preventing people from working. Like mm-hmm. They couldn't just put their head down and work when they needed to because they were always being distracted mm-hmm. with the foosball table, the ping-pong table, the free coffee, and everybody coming by and talking. Hey, we need you to come to this meeting. We need you to come to that meeting. Like, no, they don't need to be in that meeting, right? So I think we're starting to see that, right? It's like how, how can, you know, we spent years and years saying our culture is what attracts talent. Our culture is why people want to be here. Well, then how are you suddenly more productive from home? Right. Right? So I think leadership styles are, are going to swing back a little bit mm-hmm. to where, okay, I understand now not everybody needs to be involved all the time. Right. There's a time and a place where only a few people need you. Doug doesn't need to be in every freaking meeting. Doug, Doug doesn't want to be in every freaking meeting, right? Let's, let's oh, call no. space to space. Doug probably doesn't want to be in any meeting. Right, right. There are people who just want to show up, put their head down, and work hard and go home. Mm-hmm. There are people that want to be there all the time. I need to understand that, and I need to find out where everybody fits rather than forcing everybody in, into a certain environment. So I think, I think leadership right now is really being tested. In, in companies, especially corporate environments, where now we got people working from home. Some people don't do well, right? Some people need human interaction, right? Um, what's the what's the office going to look like now going forward? You know, you hear people saying, "Oh, the office is never going to be the same. We don't need offices anymore. Everybody can work from home." Well, I think that honeymoon's going to start to wear off <laughs> right. a little bit. I would agree. And we realize that, you know, you and I talk about this all the time. Like, yeah, it's the novel idea of having a home gym or home office. Uh, is nice, but the reality is most people aren't disciplined enough to work on their own, to be no. accountable, to hold themselves accountable. Um, I got a friend, Scott, who works for an IT company in town, and what they're starting to see is um, people are saying they want to work from home, they're more productive from home. What they're really saying is, what they're finding out is people are taking two- and three-hour lunches, then they're working until 7, 8 o'clock at night. Well, the problem is, is now people equate to, oh, I'm working from home, that also means flexible schedule. Mm-hmm. Well, n- no, the workday is still <laughs> right, the workday. Right. 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 Uh, and, and you know, you got, oh, I want to have a meeting at 6 o'clock tonight. Like, whoa, I'm done at 3, dude. I've been here since 7. Well, 6 o'clock is the only time it works on my schedule. Well, why does it work in your schedule? <laughs> well, well, you know, I, I did my yoga class at 11. I did yeah. this at 12, and I did this at 1. Pick my kids and, you know, up so now I'm working until 6 at night. So, yeah. so you're, yeah. you're starting to see the struggles of working from home, and, and I think leadership, right, is going to be really tested. It's like at some point you're going to have to make a decision well, what, what this looks like yeah. and, and how are you going to lead people when you're not on, like, there's something you said, like, if I have a problem, I can walk down the hall and talk to Doug because you're there and we can have the discussion right here and right now. If you and I are telecommuting and working from home and I want to talk to you, but you're out for a walk, <laughs> Well, now what happens? Well, a chain reaction. You're out walking delays, the dog, man. or yeah. you're doing laundry, and I can't get a hold of you right when I need you. Right. So you right. know, it, 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 there, there's challenges that are going to start coming up. No doubt. I think more and more. Yeah. When we realize, you know how does the, the well, you, you don't know the ground truth until after the fact, mm-hmm. right? And in years, it's like the whole COVID thing. We're not going to know the whole truth about this until a few years from now, right? Right. <laughs> like, but I do know that I've done everything in my power not to work from home. As, as a as, at least as a self-employed sure. guy I mean it was nice when I worked in the office when I was with OSHA to get to go home and work once in a while to get out of the chaos sure. and have a day or two 
occasionally, intermittently, to just put your head down and do some uh-huh. work. But to be home all the time, to me, seems like it would be challenging. And, and I, I have it, a home I think it's the exception rather than the rule that people, people that can be successful working from home. Now, I know it's more prevalent in IT, um, right? Mm-hmm. IT, you can work from anywhere with your laptop. But at the same time, what you're about to say, I, I use the home gym example. Mm-hmm. There's a reason home gyms tend to fail. There's a reason home gyms yeah. are always for sale. Um, there's going to be a lot of Peloton bikes for sale. Oh, yeah, man. Right? They bought, I know. People bought a shitload of them because they were quarantined, but I promise you there's going to be a lot for sale here mm-hmm. in a few months, just like all oh, the home yeah. gym equipment, because they're going to sit in the corner and collect dust, right? Because there, there's too many excuses to not do it. I've had my own. Hell, this is my profession. I've had home gyms, and I didn't even use them myself. Right? There's something to be said for leaving your house, going somewhere with a specific task of doing something. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the only reason I'm going to that place. Right? Right. There's something to be said for getting up, showering, putting work clothes on, and going to work. I agree. There's a mindset that I'm going here for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. When you wake up and you stay in your pajamas all day and laying around the house and the computer's there and I can work whenever I want or I can work out whenever I want, Right, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Like that takes a high level degree of discipline and yeah. high level accountability to pull that off mm-hmm. consistently, right over time. Right. You know. And I'm not sure that you are ever completely fully engaged in the work activity when when you are sitting, as you said, in your pajamas. And Netflix is on. Yeah, you got and you got the you know you've got the washer and dryer running. You've got you know kids going. I mean, I think See, that even probably, now. We're working and Sasha's not even paying attention yeah, to us. Yeah, she, yeah, totally. totally yeah. <laughs> She's right here. I was over there on her phone. I know, man. But but uh, why would anybody be paying attention to this That's other true. than those that have to? But All right, man. We're running up on our hour. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this is just the endless conversation. But I do think one of the take-home messages here is that individuals and perhaps leaders in particular need to do a little bit of a self-assessment. Maybe the start of the year is a good time to do that. And, and, and not just once in a while, like – all the time. Like you should always be self-assessing, always be aware of what you're getting good at, what you need to work on. Um, you know, where you messed up, how mm-hmm. could I have done that better? You know? And, uh, and I think that's a big thing is like being able to acknowledge being accountable enough. And I think that that's, to me, that's accountability. Discipline is being able to do something when someone's not watching or you, or someone having to tell you to do it. Accountability right. is sitting back and going, okay, I'm not good at this, or I screwed that up. I need to rectify this. I need to get better at that. I need to figure out a way to do this differently. But to me, that's accountability. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's probably the, the most lacking trait across the board. So I, I think that the self-assessments, the self-awareness, the hard look in the mirror helps you to do that, mm-hmm. right? Being able to stand back and keeping your ego in check and going, instead of going, no, they're wrong, I was right, going, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I was a little wrong. Yeah. And I could have probably handled that better. Yeah. Uh, than I did. Even though I was right and it's clear that I was right, I could have handled that better. Yeah, exactly. Than how it went down. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and to me that that's that's a trait of a good leader. That's someone getting better. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then not just giving nebulous direction and nebulous goals. Like let let's okay, let's get specific. Let's what do I really want them to do? Not to the point where I'm telling them exactly what I want them to do, but you need to have some guidance. Like you can't just say be safe. We talked mm-hmm. about this, right? Yeah. Don't yeah. just go out there and say, be safe, or we need to be safer. That's garbage, mm-hmm. right? That's like telling your kid, 
do good. Yeah, right. Exactly. What the hell does that mean? That Mm -hmm. you can interpret that a million different ways, right? Yeah. Um, So I think you know, and that that just kind of trickles down to creating many habits, setting many goals, having you know many successes Mm -hmm. that that will now snowball and build to bigger things and better things. Especially at the turn of the year, right? A lot of companies set big goals. A lot of people set big goals that are going to go unachieved for the most part mm-hmm. uh, because they're too big. They're too insurmountable. They're too nebulous. Mm-hmm. Probably even um, they're not even measurable. If, if the goal is so vague and nebulous to say, you know, I'll just be, be safer, as you said. I mean, we need to have less incidents. Yeah, the more, the more specific we are, okay. the more that we can drill down into that probably make changes or modifications and measure those sure. things. So And then and then give feedback, right? It's like if I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna say, we need to be safer. We had X number of incidents last year. We need to be safer. Well, a better conversation is all right guys, look, we we had a lot of incidents last year. Um, a lot of the things were personally very preventable. Um, we need to get better at this. So let's start up like this. What do you think we can do mm-hmm. to get safer? Right. What do you think we can do to reduce these incidents? I, actually, let's start with this. What, what does be safer even mean to you? And, like, and, and get that feedback mm-hmm. to now go, okay, their idea of being safer and mine are much different. Right, right. Let's start there. Right. Okay. And, exactly. and some of the incidents they weren't even aware of, let alone now I'm telling them to stop doing something, they weren't even aware that they happened, right? So, you know, I, I think those questions need to be asked first before you start setting goals on people or goals for the company. Yeah. It's like, what do they even understand or, or know uh, at that point? And when I say something, what how are they interpreting that? Yeah. We'll have to talk about that next time, man, because I think there is always, or, or there is often, I should say, a disconnect between what, I, as the leader, am interpreting and what the employees are sure. perceiving. That's classic communication. Like, you have a message, you pass it through a medium, mm-hmm. right? I have to receive it, interpret it, and then understand it, and then mm-hmm. reply. Mm-hmm. And that can break down anywhere yeah. along the way. A lot of opportunities to break down. Right? You could deliver a message with the proper intent, but if, one, if I, don't, if I don't ever get it, Okay, there's community, mm-hmm. or I get it and I don't understand it, or or right. I, I might interpret it properly. I don't understand it. I don't even interpret it properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now now it's a mess, right? Right. And I go, got yeah. it, boss, and I don't understand it. Right. At all. Well, I think that's our next session, man. So <laughs> stay tuned, guys. I think that's a we'll be talking about that next. But I do, um, man. There was a lot of information in there. Always a lot of information. I love the idea of the mini goals. I love the idea of the self-assessment, an honest self-assessment about how we can improve. And, um, yeah, a lot a lot to get the year started. So thanks, man. I appreciate your being here, Aaron. Yeah, buddy, anytime. I'll probably see you next week. Um, Sasha, thank you. We're looking forward to 2021. Guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And um, as we have said in the past, if you do have suggestions, comments, concerns, I'm not interested in criticisms necessarily, but (laughs) you you can reach me at Doug at FletcherSafety.com. So if there's anything you want me to discuss with Aaron or anything you would like with any of the other guests, be sure and hit us up because we would love to talk about what you're interested in. So Doug at FletcherSafety.com, send me your comments and we'll make sure they get addressed. Other than that, have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.